You know, so many of our takeaways on that Texas A&M loss have come from inside the Miami bubble. So I really wanted to get a fresh outside look at that. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So uh, we have the uh, the luxury here of speaking with somebody who covers Texas A&M. Grant Cameron is nice enough to join us. And you're in the Lone Star State, right, Grant? You're on location there in Texas. Oh, you, you got to unmute, sir. Yes, I was at the game live. Uh, hope any and all, yeah, hope any and all of y'all that came out to the game had a great time, had a great experience here at AM. and um, Hoping to give you guys some insights, some positives, some slight negatives, some things to be concerned about. But overall, I thought it was a great game y'all played, and I look forward to breaking it down for y'all. Yeah, and actually, I wanted to start on something from Texas A&M's perspective before I get into mm-hmm. your take on Miami, because so the Aggies uh, midweek or late week last week, they make the quarterback change. They make it official. I think a lot of people, myself included, suspected it might happen. But, you know, we got the official word last week that it was going to be Max Johnson in for Haynes King. Uh, now, you know, from, from where I sit, like Johnson didn't do anything remarkable, but he took care of the football. Uh, was a big thing, you know, no turnovers. So how did you see Johnson's performance? And do you think the quarterback switch, like how critical was that? Do you think A&M would have still won the game if King had started? Leading up to the week, I kind of stayed, uh, you have a 50-50 shot regardless of who this starter is. And the reason why is because I thought that King had the ability to push the ball downfield a little bit more. He's a little bit more aggressive which can obviously be great if you hit those shots. But King had shown that he's willing to turn the ball over, um, which with our defense um, was acceptable. But uh, obviously with the suspensions that came out Saturday night, uh, excuse me, Friday night going into Saturday morning, I think that percentage dropped to about 25%. So it was huge that we already decided to make this quarterback change to Johnson. I think Johnson did all the right things to win the game. Uh, but I think Johnson's a little bit more of a trailer than a truck, right? He's got to get dragged by his, he's got to get dragged by his um, his wide receivers, his defense. Whereas King can be that truck. He hasn't shown it yet. Needs more development, obviously, whether that's here or elsewhere in the transfer era. We'll see. I think that's great. And you referenced the uh, the suspensions, which uh, I think it was Saturday morning when I found out about those. Maybe you found out about them Friday night. Uh, how how surprised were you and, and how much of an impact do you think had on the game? And then it wasn't only the four pregame suspensions. Then you had, you know, two DBs kicked out for targeting early in the game as well. Yeah. I, listen, losing your top two wide receivers is critical. I mean, it was unbelievably frustrating to sit there and get the news. I mean, from the team, just be like, man, because the fan base really needed this win. So it was college station was going to burn to the ground. So um, getting that news is never great. You're frustrated. You're upset. And it was uh, very much, you know, a few minutes of grief. And then, all right, next man up. we got to figure this out. But it definitely had an impact on the game because all of a sudden you guys were able to put Jaden Ivey on a fourth string <laughs> converted running back. And, uh, you know, we couldn't get separation with anybody other than number zero and Smith. So, I mean, it was 
unbelievably frustrating watching that game and going, man, if we had Stewart, if we had Marshall, if we had these guys, and we just didn't. Uh, losing the DBs was huge. I mean, it was easily the best remaining quarter we ha- uh, corner we had in uh, George. And then also losing uh, Damani Richardson. I mean, he's the soul of that defense. The guy just makes plays wherever he goes. So it makes you want to talk about targeting and the change that need to be made. But, you know, it impacted the game on a level that was obviously beneficial for Miami and uh, beneficial for us in a weird way that we got to play some depth pieces and got to see some stars shine in that way as well. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about the DB situation from A&M. I think that makes it all the more frustrating how Miami's wide receiver core was just not able to do enough, Grant. And, yeah, listen, a big storyline heading into the game from the Miami side was Xavier Strepo suffering an injury because he had been Miami's best receiver up until that point. Um, And now, you know, moving forward, the receiving core is going to be even thinner having uh, Jacoby George injured in that game, but he did play in that game. And I love because I know you've studied the film and you evaluate this stuff from a football standpoint. I would love your opinion on Miami's passing game, because I think a lot of Hurricanes fans are blaming Tyler Van Dyke a little bit too much. What did you see from the big picture of Miami's passing game? Well, first things, I mean, the first things first is Tyler made some errant throws, right? There were some plays where you're sitting there and you're going, Tyler, why'd you throw that? What were you seeing that? that made you throw this ball. And there were a few examples of that. And A&M should have taken advantage of those. And we just didn't for one reason or another. And there are some plays where, you know, I think Miami fans will be gracious and say, hey, that was just a good play by A&M's defense. But it's it's demoralizing to have drops. And it's frustrating not being able to trust wide receivers to make plays. Uh, my advice would be these drops are caused by a variety of different things. But a lot of them were made by, when you're watching the film, they're turning their head upfield too quickly. They're not bringing that ball into their arm and securing it and then looking upfield. They're looking upfield a little bit too quickly. And that's, that's a coaching error, right? That's a coaching flaw. And that's something that Mario and the coaching staff at large have to push out of them. Um, and that's something that develops with time. And uh, I trust Cristobal and that coaches have to get it right, but it reared its egg, uh, ugly head in that game. But I think you're, I, I think the drops problem should not be the focus of the wide receiver core. Mm. And, you know, specifically for Miami uh, in the red zone, they came away with zero touchdowns in five red zone trips. And, you know, I I had a chance to ask the offensive coordinator this week, you know, kind of what what happened there, like what transpired in the red zone? Because, you know, watching the game the first time, you see everything that they attempted in the red zone. All the throws were underneath. Nothing was into the end zone. Uh, you know, a lot of running plays that just didn't work. So maybe the execution there, a couple of design runs for Tyler Van Dyke that kind of looked like they had no chance of working. Um, you know, and, and the offensive coordinator, you know, mentioned that AM was, you know, they were dropping eight into coverage and rushing three. So I think he was trying to take what the defense gave to him. But um, did, did you feel that way? Did, do, do you think Miami could have done anything differently in the red zone from a play calling standpoint? With as well as y'all moved the ball, I'm surprised that you didn't continue to continue to do the style of runs that Durkin was allowing. Uh, right. Those being where you motion a wide receiver tight end across the formation pre-snap and then running it up the middle because that pulls away one of our linebackers because that's the way the defense is coached. I was surprised to see that basically go away from inside the 20s. And partial – 
part of that is because the safeties aren't playing as deep anymore, so they're able to fill faster. You saw that with uh, Bryce Anderson, number one, blowing up that run to the left-hand side. I believe that was second quarter. Uh, and obviously that's frustrating to see. But I thought that uh, the, the defense did what it has always done, which is that bend, don't break mentality. Yeah. Um, and Miami, unfortunately, just didn't have the horses. And what I mean by that is they didn't have the offensive line to get those two yards of push um, when those linebackers and safeties were crashing down. And in the red zone, it's so critical for your offensive line to generate those two yards and for the wide receivers to create separation. And that just wasn't happening. Um, I think the play calls were okay. They Obviously, they could have been better because different plays may have had different results. Um, but I, I I think the problem right now is more personnel than coaching. So I would be patient on calling for people's heads. I, I think that's a great shout. And I got a couple more things to ask Grant about because I, I love I love how analytical he is and how uh, you know he he studied this game from the other side of it, uh, not from inside the Miami bubble. So I think that's very valuable. I want to remind you guys that upside, upside, it's uh, it's improving my financial situation, guys, because from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. And, guys, I started using Upside before they came aboard the Locked On Network. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, which we all do, groceries or dines out. I think we do all those things. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. If you think it's too good to be true, it's not, guys. Money comes back into your account. It's so easy. To get started, download the free Upside app, Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, you just claim an offer wherever you're buying on Upside. You check in at the business. You pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and then you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So uh, I like what you said there, Grant, about personnel versus coaching. Um, and it, you know, I, I I think Miami fans would be pleased to hear that because obviously it's a lot of the same personnel from the previous coaching staff versus a very expensive coaching staff that's just come in to try and turn this around. Uh, was there anything else? Because, you know, we talked about quarterback play in red zone. Anything else good or bad that kind of stood out to you about Miami? Maybe anything that surprised you? Because I was a little bit surprised at how well Miami did on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. Your your trench play was incredible. Offensive line, defensive play, and defensive line was exactly what you want to see, right? Uh, the sacks came this week for y'all, and that's awesome, right? That's always what you want to see against the premier opponent. You want to see your, your guys winning battles, and you guys did a great job of that. I think that you guys have a lot to be excited about uh, in that running back room with Parrish. And I think that you guys have some talent there. Um, my, my main takeaway from this game is the talent is there. The coaching staff is developing it well. Right. And I think that in the first year, your, your coaching staff should aim to do three things. You've got to develop the talent on the roster, right? You should see drastic improvement from players from the year before. And I think even from Tyler Van Dyke, 
uh, you saw that. Um, you've got to win the game to shoot. If Vegas says you should win a game, you got to win it. Right. And you should see no big errors. And unfortunately, in this game, you guys had that error. Uh, but my my hope is that you you as a fan base look at that and go, man, that's really frustrating. But you know, it, it's an odd shaped ball. It bounces funny, and it and it has weird impact you don't expect it to say. Uh, I'd say that uh, Mario's post game presser, where he's talking about how effort isn't enough. That's a big takeaway, right? Because that's something that recruits see and eat up. Um, it just, I think you guys played a great game. I trust the coaching staff out there to do great because I think it's a top 10 staff in the country. Uh, and it's just about you, you want to see guys making plays. And I think you guys saw that and you guys have a lot to look forward to in the years to come. Is there anything like on the flip side, like on a negative, you'd say, hey, you know, Miami maybe should worry about this moving forward because there's a lot of games left to play. The drops are concerning. Um, it, 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 you can't run from it. You've got to say something about it. But I would, I would more hesitate to say the routes aren't crisp, right? There's a yes. lot of uh, to use a to use a term that I dislike. There's a lot of beating the drum when they're making breaks, and what that means is when they're coming into their breaks, they're stomping their feet five, six times, and what it's creating is it allows DBs who are in bail technique, giving a lot of space to the receiver. It's allowing them to say, oh, there's a break coming, and they can come back down and act on that in route, that out route. And that's why you saw a lot of pass breakups and why it felt like you weren't getting separation, right? And um, TVD made throws that were perfectly fine. But it was concerning that your wide receivers were unable to make separation consistently unless the scheme was making them open, which that's what scheme should do. But sometimes you've got to say, hey, I need you to just get open on this play. And Miami struggled to do that. And that's a coaching thing, right? Because yeah, the A&M DBs are well coached and they're talented, but you still got to trust the wide receiver to know to win because he's the only guy that knows where he's going. The DB doesn't know. And you should, you got to win sometimes. Did, uh, did that from an A&M standpoint? um, And I I thought you, you hit on something important, how, you know, A&M had to really kind of test their depth with the suspensions and some of the last minute changes. So, uh, did that victory, and it was a needed victory coming off the App State game, like, did, does that make you feel a lot better heading into SEC play? Does that raise your confidence level? My expectations for the team really didn't change um, because we've seen this year after year. Jimbo overlooks the smaller opponent to, to look forward to the big game. I mean, if you look last year, we overlooked Mississippi State and be, to beat Bama next week. And so it's um, – I'll say the expectations didn't change. It was a gut check that I think the team needed, especially the younger players. Uh, and then the suspensions, I think, kind of caused those young players to say, oh, okay, we are a program, right? We are, like, if you if you mess up and make mistakes, it will affect your playing time and the, and the way in which we respond. Um, I thought that the team responded well. Uh, hearing the things I've heard out of this week's practices, I'm really excited for this Arkansas game coming up. I think if you had the free time to tune in, I think it would be a great game. But uh, I'll say that my expectations didn't change because my expectations were always, you know, 10 and 2, 11 and 1. Because when you're in a division with Alabama, you can't expect to go to the SEC championship game. You can expect a challenge for it. You can't expect to win it. So my expectations didn't change, but I'm excited for the rest of the year. I, I like that a lot. Grant Cameron, I can't thank you enough, man. And if you have anything to promote, social media, anywhere people can find you, go ahead. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm a pretty private guy. I just kind of follow the team, but uh, I'm always in Twitter spaces. So if you guys want to come in and get my thoughts on anything, shoot, and I'll give you my best thoughts.
Oh man, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I think that was awesome. And uh, and listen, if, if anyone was like, I don't know if I want to hear this because maybe it's going to make me feel bad about Miami. Honestly, I, I think it probably makes you feel pretty good hearing uh, hearing Grant's perspective. I think the Hurricanes have a lot of good stuff to build on. And and you know, Grant, now that Miami's got the Texas A and M matchup in the rear view, I will wish you guys good luck for the rest of the season because I, I I'd love to see I'd love to see the Aggies uh, win some big games and beat Bama again. I enjoyed that last year. Oh, that'd be beautiful. I'll be at that game. So best of luck to the Canes. I wish you guys the best of luck. Beat the hell out of Clemson because Clemson just sucks. So <laughs> do what you got to do them. But uh, big test coming against those Blue Raiders in Middle Tennessee. So do what you got to do. Get healed up and get ready for conference play. I love it, guys. Uh, and thank everyone for tuning in. Make sure you make Locked on ACC your second listen. I'm going to be on the Thursday episode, as I am now every week, with Candace Cooper. Thank you for making us your first. Uh, make sure you subscribe on our all our podcast channels and on YouTube. We'll talk to you again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.